0: Next Chapter Podcasts. The 500.
1: The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to you. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The King of these for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J M On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end I gotta record these intros everybody (laughs) I get indigestion Uh, But not from this song Still I'm sad Monks Not the TV show By the Yardbirds from the 1965 record Having a rave up It's also number 355 Out of 500 on the 500 with me Josh Adam Myers What's up Police Army How y'all living Uh, I'm in New York City And uh, yeah man Let me tell you what's going on. I'll be in Los Angeles, August 23rd. I'll be there the 20th through the 23rd uh, doing shows, but I'm doing the goddamn Comedy Jam at the Comedy Store with Bill Burr, Tiffany Haddish, Melissa Villasenor, and Jay Farrow. Main room of the Comedy Store. I couldn't be more excited to come back to L.A. uh, to do it at my home club. I love it. Uh, Tickets are at joshadammyers.com, so make sure you get them. It's probably sold out. Uh, because it's a dope lineup but if you are in New York uh, you can see me every night of the week at the Comedy Cellar in the stand check at Josh Adam Myers for all my shows and everything and follow me because I'm so close to 20,000 and I want to break that um, have you joined the Patreon? I-, I plead to you guys every week um, join the Patreon please please if you listen to this show if you fuck with this show uh, and you're following along uh, we don't charge you anything But we ask, if you can contribute, please throw the $5 a month in uh, to help support me, Adam, Emily, Melissa, Jeremiah, um, the whole family. The whole family. We are a tight family, and we're only eating one bean a night. We are so hungry. So, so hungry. I think Lekka eats better than I do. Uh, We appreciate it. So join it. Go to patreon.com backslash the 500 and complete. Completely annihilate that YouTube button. Subscribe. Completely obliterate it. Just smash the shit out of it. Subscribe. It helps. And we love you for it. Let's get to this week's album, The birds I feel like I'm from Boston anytime I say it. Uh, the Yardbirds are one of those bands that just never made their way into my music circle, but their name kept popping up throughout the history of Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, uh, Jimmy Page. And so I got really excited to dig into this one because, you know, it's like you, you, like I said, it's, it's, it's something that you, you, you hear about, you see, and then finally here it is, it's on the list and, uh, and we're eating, it's a big meal. Uh, and my guest today, Ooh, it's a returner, the one and only Wayne Fetterman. Uh, Wayne is one of the funniest people that I've ever met in my life, uh, He's got a brand new book out called The History of Stand-Up From Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle It's incredible Uh, You've seen him in Curb Your Enthusiasm Um, He's so fun And such a vast Information center That this episode was extremely easy for me Because he knew everything about the record Um, And now that I don't have Morty You know, it's like, it's me and Adam. It's me and Adam. And we are, uh, we're trying our best. So hopefully you guys uh, are listening and hopefully you guys are appreciating what we're doing still. I'm having a blast right now, man. I'm really having a good time making these episodes and doing this one with Wayne. Hammers it in. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and leave a review. Tell us how great the show is. Uh, Please don't shit on me. Because I can't take it anymore But you can Just give us five stars if you're going to shit on me Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan And for all things 500 Go to our website the 500 podcastcom Well, nothing left to say but Here we go with 355 out of 500 Having a rave up by the yard, birds. Oh, enjoy the
0: episode.
2: Adam, if you're not recording, you're in big. I don't care what Metallica shirt you're wearing. That doesn't matter to me.
1: <laughs> Which one is Metallica Slayer Anthrax? Oh, and... by the way, you know, I saw Slayer's last show. Which one? I saw the one right before the last one at the forum. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was at the
1: last one at the forum.
2: Are you a Slayer fan? Um, I'm a music fan.
1: Okay. But and I, I thought
2: it would be a fun thing. to. I just thought it would be a fun thing to go to. I have some great video from inside it.
1: But that's a side that's a side thing we can. Talk you know, about. what was great about that show is that like I know like three songs by Slayer, but much like you, I woke up that morning and and for, completely forgot that they were on their final tour and they were playing their final shows in Los Angeles. And I remember I was I'm a big bath guy and I was getting ready to jump in the bath. And as I like opened up my phone. I go, holy shit. I was like Slayers playing at the Forum tonight and tickets are super cheap on StubHub. And then what I did was uh, I, I got into the bathtub and I slipped and I nailed my head on that con- on that cement like uh, yeah. ceramic thing that sticks out for the soap. Of course. And I was concussed. And so I couldn't go that night, but then I went to the next night. You know that the bathroom is the
2: most dangerous room in the house. You know that, right? I know that. I you mean, remember that, right? Yeah.
1: It's like my mom teaches me that. My dad on his face. <laughs> Wayne my Fetterman would my, <laughs> the, the, my dad's final words were, <laughs> always take your time getting into a tub. And then he passed. <laughs> Is, this, is that true <laughs> that can't be true yeah it's the last thing he said oh my god <laughs> He never said i love you but he, he said I mean, make right, sure the, the f- words you,
2: the three words i needed to hear
1: <laughs> make sure you put down a plastic thing in the tub <laughs> exactly so, so, you, so you have some grip because oh, you're going to slip one day Oh, wet because like, all- that was my dad's whole saying throughout life make sure in the tub there's grip because right. you're gonna slip. Oh, he was a, okay.
2: So he was uh, doing. What do they call? What do they call it um, for the rap community? When you is It's not um, bars. Bars.
1: My dad spit right? bars. My dad actually was in all Jewish hip hop group uh, that 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 was uh, that was before the one that I was in. Because everybody, all my fleece army listeners know that I speak about it all the time. I was in an all Jewish hip hop group called De Shekels. Um, oh. Which I actually have every album in the move from Los Angeles to New York. I mean, I didn't bring a lot of stuff, but I brought every Dechekel's record. We're gonna we're gonna put it online. We're gonna give it to the Patreon people, and uh, and then we're gonna sell it as an NFT because I heard the kids are doing that. It's pretty popular. <laughs> that was that's over. It's
2: uh, over. By the way, way I, I used to do a joke that I was in a uh, Jewish heavy metal group called Black Shabbos, but then apparently somebody made that a legitimate band and black shabbos yeah i think that's like a legitimate band
1: there's a there's a passover group oh man i i need you to look it up for me adam because they do uh uptown pesach which oh, is like serious. a parody of uptown uh funk yeah and it's it's like off the combing on friday night come on <laughs> everybody hide the matzah <laughs> it's, I it's. to, say, I, to get down. I, know,
2: I know you're enjoying it i get a little embarrassed by that stuff
1: so do i i send <sighs> it to like i send it to like three people every I year i get a little embarrassed like a joke. By it. it's just like can we
2: do better as jews than just this
1: no like, we can't
2: <laughs> we
1: can't wayne <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry
2: i'm sorry i know i should have pride <laughs> in that kind of stuff but i'm just like
1: ugh a way the a basic. it's it's so basic adam do you have do you have uptown pasach
0: i have uptown funk passover funk parody that's the first thing uh, i, I think, think
1: that's it but just give me like a taste of it and uh just get to the chorus if you can eating it
0: up at the Cedar. got killed along with sailing said i'll for later <laughs> oh risk oh, come a magician from from Zy- his.
1: all right kill this because this isn't the one there's like nine versions of this that's how bad that's how basic it is that's how that basic anyone can basically is. do that thing all right well let's talk about non-basic shit Yes. Um, let's talk about the. Well, first of all, you, this is your second time coming back to the. I podcast. can't believe
2: I. I can't believe I got asked back after what happened. Well, with we the Steve Miller fly like an eagle
1: the, debacle. What was the debacle? Again? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: there's, <laughs>
1: there's, <laughs> like I went off the rails or something. <laughs> Reddit blew up, and and you <laughs> you we were trashed on on the subreddits. Um. No, I. You know, you're you're one of you Fetty Wap. You're one of my favorite yeah. people. I love riffing with you. Hello, hanging with you and and we had so much fun on steve miller band and and this oh, just yeah. made you we were throwing out like hail mary's because we went to like jeff beck and like he's not doing anything and then right, right? And he got kicked and... out of the band by the way I, oh i know dude we're gonna talk all about this <laughs> oh okay okay sorry um sorry. no you can bring it up but you know there's no no harm no foul where there's no order anymore it's just we go there where is we go isn't? it oh i love it free for so we bringing you back for the yard birds yes. having a rave up yeah. So why don't you tell me uh, why you're on the podcast? Why, why is this record? What does it mean to you? And like, tell me about like how you first got into them. Well, uh, I, the Yardbirds
2: are uh, unlike Steve Miller band, which were when I was growing up, those songs were coming out on the radio and we listened to them. The Yardbirds I got to retroactively through, of course, Led Zeppelin which I got, when I found out about Led Zeppelin and cream and then, a little later, the Jeff Beck group, which I I was more into Cream and Led Zeppelin. And then I found out, oh, all of these guys, Clapton, Beck, and Jimmy Page, play guitar for the Yardbirds. Like, who is this band? And so that's when I kind of deep dived into them a little bit. So it was a, kind of a retro thing. It was, I didn't know their song. I was more into, at this point in the mid-60s, much more into Beatles and... Even the monkeys a little bit, you know, just like very pop, pop chart stuff. And so that's how I got into them. How about you?
1: I started doing this podcast and it came (laughs) in at number. What number is this? What number is this, Adam? 355. It came in at number 355. Had you heard of them before? Had you ever heard of them? Of course. I mean, I don't know. I don't know everything you know. Dude, everybody knows the yardbirds i know i know that one song that's uh that's really popular that anytime i tell alexa to play uh yardbirds which she's about to do now because i just said that probably um but for your they, love they, they they always play for your love i mm-hmm. know that from like uh guy Ritchie movies but i had no idea that was the yardbirds um i've it's much like you um Led Zeppelin always Led Zeppelin. (laughs) I've never, it's always Led Zeppelin. I, I cream, I still have yet to dig into cream, but I have done, I have done a a nice light listen of cream. Mm -hmm. Like I know the hits, I know stuff like that. Yardbirds, I knew nothing about. Um, but I did know, like you said, that Jeff Beck, uh, Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page have all played for this group. So obviously you know that if these guys are playing with <laughs> this band, this band is something. Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. There are really, I call them maybe the ultimate
2: bridge and influential band because they, I don't know, for some reason, maybe you can speak to this. Please. In the early sixties, England went nuts for American R&B and particularly those Chicago blues singers like they oh, yeah. just all of them were collecting those albums or copying those riffs Eric Clapton is a perfect example of that and I always wondered I was just like is there anybody more white than English people like they <laughs> they define it they are the thing and like that they were so into the blues still to me blows my mind. Any idea on why that was maybe because it was so
1: opposite their culture or what do you think? Um, they are the whitest <laughs> people in the world and not even just like in there, like, Oh, hello. Would you like some plum pudding with a nice Yorkshire? Um, they also, because of the clouds, they are actually pigmently. Oh, I see. I extremely see. Yeah. White people, mm-hmm. but because of that, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, that's where you get the best music in the world because they, are, they come from these families of being restricted and, you know, no, uh, okay, you know, My yeah. Left Foot and, and you know, uh, Bridgerton and any of the, oh, what is it, Downton Abbey, all that. Like, that's everybody in England. So uh, at least my perception, which now we just lost all the right. English listeners right. that are right. like, oh, I'm turning this off now. And <laughs> putting on a Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but because of the clouds and because of the darkness there, you get this very emotional music. And so in my opinion, going off of what you said, I think you're getting, uh, this love for the blues because it's the exact opposite of every single thing that they were brought up enjoying listening to. Like, I mean, would Adam, you say me- it's it's uh comparable, sorry to interrupt, to like
2: white suburban kids uh embracing hip hop?
1: I would say it's even more it's even like, yes, it's it's a hundred percent that. I was gonna say okay. it was like it was like Southern California kids embracing uh their love for reggae music. Hmm. Um yeah, but then that didn't make sense. It's, I have a new joke about that, about why white people shouldn't if, do reggae. <laughs> oh, really?
2: <laughs> you can you can uh, shoehorn it in if you want to. I don't. No,
1: care. no. You can do no, a bit in the middle of this. No bits, no bits. You know, my dad said no bits. Wait a minute. They're straight <laughs> the, tits. That's thing, what my though. dad said. My dad said no bits, only tits. Um, <laughs> my dad was a sexual uh, deviant. Yeah, God rest his soul. Miss you, miss you, Big Al. No. So, so yeah, I think there definitely has something to do with it, but also it's just, that's the exact opposite of their culture. And I mean, kids are always influenced by stuff that is, you know, I mean, like you said, white suburban, yeah. yeah, White, white suburban kids, uh, you know, they grow up in these, these cul-de-sacs and they grow up in the middle of of nowhere outside of cities. And then they hear, I mean, look at me. I remember hearing public enemy for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is the coolest music I've ever heard in my life. And I was obsessed with like Dean Nice and Public Enemy and Kid in Play right. and and it's just it's a culture thing and I, and I think when you restrict a culture there's going to be uh, an opposite reaction it's energies man you put out good bad's always going to come back if you you know it's it's there's an equal and opposite reaction so if you're if you're holding somebody back they're going to fight through that and then and then basically just do the exact opposite. Uh, I don't know how they were getting the music. Adam, do you have a, a an idea of how these kids were getting the music? I'm assuming on like ham radio stations. Well, I think they, if I'm not mistaken, those guys from chess records and
2: all, you know, all of the, would tour England because they were getting crowds over there. So yeah. I think that was part of it. And then they'd have these albums. And I remember like the stories of Keith Richards sharing his records with, uh, you know, with Mick Jagger and like they were like sort of, I guess, little diamonds in the rough. I don't know because they weren't charting. There there was no way Howlin' Wolf or maybe Howlin' Wolf was charting. I'm not sure. Yeah. So anyway, I just so anyway, they the Yardbirds are a link to that because they were into obviously they were the band, as you know, that took over Crawdaddy once the Rolling Stones hit and then left like that was their big That was that little club in, I think it was called Richmond is the place in, in England, suburb of London. And so they were the band that took over the house band at Crawdaddy, which did you ever read Crawdaddy as
1: like literature? Do you know what I'm talking about at all? No, I don't know anything about it. I actually do have that fact uh, listed, but you know, tell me more, tell me what you know about it.
2: Well, I don't, I mean, again, it was just, I just, I'm sure I don't have the whole story, but there was a. yeah, there was a, a scene where the Rolling Stones, uh, you know, got very popular in this little uh, room called Crawdaddy. And then Yardbirds took over, but Crawdaddy also became the name of this rock zine, is the way it would call it. Like, that started with Rolling Stone and Cream and, uh, you know, all of these, like, literature talking about rock music because rock music was so dismissed at that time. You know, even with the, even with the Beatles, and stuff, it was just completely dismissed as uh, like not you couldn't even get a lot of the rock musicians couldn't even get in the union because yeah. they couldn't play, couldn't read music. They're like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Anyway, so uh, so that's it. So they they became they started their band there and then they luckily like one in a million shots. Who's their lead guitarist or their second lead guitarist is this teenager, Eric Clapton, who, you know, was this dev. He had, he not only had talent, but he had a talent for practice. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's obsessive compulsiveness. What would you call that? Like he would like work on BB King and Freddie King licks, like, Hours, 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 days and days. Obsession. Just to, uh, you, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. We,
1: that's that's the, that's always some of the the best people when like when we become obs- You know, you know comics that are like that that are just obsessed with the. Right. My friend Angelo. The reason we're doing the podcast. He wow. would go every day to uh the borders on the corner of vine and sunset and he would just look at through magazines and look and look through the sections for books and pull out open up a book find something that he was interested in and then write down a -hmm. little nugget that he thought was funny and he would just work for six seven hours a day writing jokes and then do it every night and it was just you know rinse repeat It's the same thing every day
2: yeah so that was that band so they were a blues band because clapton was a blues purist at that time and it's so interesting. You should bring up uh, for your love that what is, is it Siri? No, what is who's, who plays the records in your apartment? I can't say it. she'll so go on. Okay, it's, okay. Alexa, is it Alexa? A- yeah, yeah, yeah. can yeah, okay. hear that. She can. Will she hear that through the? No, because you're wearing headphones. Uh, I'm wearing headphones. Thank God. So it's interesting that you know that's the reason Eric Clapton left that band is because
1: specifically of that song. Yeah. So I just found out from Adam, uh, blues initially made its way to Europe during World War II when oh. African American GIs brought their musical tastes oh, okay. with them. Okay. Okay. That makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah. So another positive out. Come from world from Hitler invading <laughs> Europe, right?
1: So that means so that means they're breaking. How many into, they're, how they're, many positives came out of that thing? They're breaking into Auschwitz, and it's just like the Jews are all hungry, like <laughs> they're trying to eat, and it's like Can we do that? <laughs>
2: so um, yeah, so that song. So they were they were a blues band, which we're going to find out when we listen to this album. Is the
1: second side is all blues covers. And so all right, all so let's let's talk about the record. Let's talk about we can the talk. record. Okay, do we want to talk it. about the record, or we talk about the history of the Yardbirds first? Well, I thought we kind of got the history a little bit. I don't want do I need to go by so, uh, here. So here's what I've got. Uh, yeah. The Yardbirds were formed in a Southwest suburb of London in 63 with core yeah. lineup of vocalist harmonica player. Uh, fuck. I'm going to fuck this last name up. Keith uh, reef. R E I F. Did I say yep. that right? Yep. D- died in 1976. Yep. God, I love you. Yeah. I wish we do I, I, one day I hope we do an episode on Pistol Pete Maravich and then and then <laughs> the, I won't call you. <laughs> the great music of Pistol Pete. Drummer Jim McCarthy, rhythm yes. guitarist. Bassist. Is it McCarthy
2: or McCarthy? You, I mean, what do I you
1: think?
2: I don't think there's an H in there. I but I've heard him say McCarthy. So let's no, say I, yeah. I got it, I got it written as McCarthy. Yeah, he's uh, the he's the only one still in the band
1: today. Yeah. They're still they're still doing it, I believe. Okay, he is the the, the one last. I mean, you dude, if you don't have Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck, G F Y, G F Y. All right, so Jim McCarthy or McCarty, rhythm guitarist, bassist, Chris uh, Dray. Dr- oh, Jesus, these names, uh, Draga, or if it's Spanish, it's Draya. And uh, bassist producer Paul Samwell Smith. Then, lead guitar was held at various points by Top Topham <laughs> initially. And then, three yes. this yes. is crazy. I mean, we mentioned it already, but three guitar not players, legends, legends, right? Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck, right? Not which, in that order, which I have met. Jeff Beck through at the comedy store what through my friend Tal Wilkenfeld nice. uh, who who played bass there's a very very famous uh they're playing I think like a jazz festival somewhere and Jeff Beck is is you know they're jamming and, and Tall's on bass and then he gives her a bass solo and she's I think like, you know she was discovered by Prince at 16 so I think like she's probably in her early 20s she looks so young and she's just shredding and you see Jeff Beck like, I, know who, go she, I know who
2: she is I know she's she great. is I've seen A great the friend of, the, of her yeah. great
1: yeah. friend of the podcast I love her to death has uh, she done but, records on it not yet. We, we, we've got some coming up. Cause she's close with like Leonard Cohen and we've talked about her doing Jeff Buckley. Oh, yeah. um, but those are in years. We got like at least another year, I think until any of those come up, but, but meeting Jeff Beck, it's like one of those things where it's like the dude had an aura. He's a tiny man. He's not like a big dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, he, he just looked so much like a rock star. I mean, you, you they, like I said, like certain people have that glow and he had that glow. Um, so the Can I just it, a quick sidebar please, before you no, just hit quick us. Ju- jump in? Because I've only seen
2: Jeff back alive twice, never met him. And uh, once a show, at Universal Amphitheater. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? There's I a thought PH you had a stroke there. halfway through saying that. <laughs> oh my God, he struck out. <laughs> um, with him, he toured with Stevie Ray Vaughan. It was a double bill, double wow. guitar sling. Yeah. So that I had to see, as you know, I'm a guitar dude. Yeah. And then just right before the pandemic with uh, his old buddy, Rod Stewart at the Hollywood Bowl, he came out and did a few of those wow songs, the old uh, Pacola songs that were just incredible.
1: I couldn't imagine how good that was.
2: It was pretty good. I, the thing is Jeff Back to Me is a great mystery because he's this genius guitar player, and but... He always seems to be like getting in trouble or effing up things. And like he did this with this band, he would not show up for gigs. He was like not reliable, all of that kind of stuff. And he, I don't know. I just, and he had the look, there's no one who has the look better than him. Right.
1: So, so my question and Adam, I want you to find this out. What kind of trouble did he get into? What do you know about Jeff Beck?
2: Well, I know that when he was with the Yardbirds, he would miss gigs and that he had he was more into this girl. that He was dated this super hot girl in California who was like a movie, star, a young movie star. And he got tons of he got sick a lot on the tour. And eventually he was so unreliable. He got kicked out of the band like hmm. and yeah and And also, even though he brought Jimmy Page into the band because they played together for a short period of time, he uh, he really wanted to be doing his own thing, which was fine. I mean, he ended up doing truth and Beckle and you know, and then he was off to the races. but yeah um, yeah, so that always surprised me because and he hated he hated touring. He just hated I mean, the yardboards tours are notorious for that band getting ripped off by American promoters. Like they made no money. They were like in like Greyhound buses. They didn't even have their own bus. Mm -hmm. They traveled like you bought a ticket, put their, their stuff under the, and then went to the gig and it's just terrible. And uh, yeah. And it was just like, I just want to be in one place and create some music. So that's what I know about Jeff Beck and, and seeing him twice. And now that I know that you met him, and he had an
1: aura about him. That's, that's my new thing. <laughs> aura. I didn't know he was uh, a little guy, though. I mean, first of all, I'm 5'9", so everybody, you know, if he was on my height, he's like, I think he's, look up his height, Adam. Right. Find out how tall Jeff Beck is. <laughs> well, I, think, well I tell Adam you, like I'm that? not yelling at him. It's what uh, Adam does. 5'10"? Adam. All right, maybe he's not a little guy. Maybe I'm a little guy. With
0: anybody's height that's listed, you can usually take like an inch or two right off. Of oh, I love it. Yeah. It's
1: like
2: a Kmart discount.
1: Take a couple <laughs> inches off at the register. <laughs> Blue light special. Love it. So the name of the band is a reference to Jack Kerouac's On the Road, which mm-hmm. is which referred to rail yard hobos. After the Rolling Stones, like you said, left the residency at the Crawdaddy Club, yep. Uh, the Yardbirds took over and got the ball rolling for them. Like other British R and B inspired bands, they played covers of artists like Muddy Waters, Bo yep. Diddley, and Howlin' Wolf. Uh, this is a tough name. I'm gonna fuck up. Giorgio Gomelsky. Yeah,
2: he's their manager, right?
1: Yep, he he took yeah. over as their manager. He was running the Crawdaddy <laughs> Club, and their first record producer set them up for their first tour as a backup band for Chicago blues great Sonny Boy. Williamson. All right, they want to
2: tour with Sonny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And their supposedly first- that was a nightmare that Sonny couldn't even, not read music, couldn't read. And so he, uh, this is incredible, just show business. So they would like make a set list and he was like, he couldn't read the set list. (laughs) <laughs> he was like, I don't "Can you know. imagine?"
1: I mean, they he just talk he's like, about they, talk about what, the blues. Talk about the, the blues. The, but, what do they have to do to get him to know what song's next? They I know, have no idea. I would like again and that we're doing It It's like that sounds like every song we're doing again it. Fuck, that could be nineteen <laughs> different songs on this set list. Um, okay, go. Yes, they did tour with that, guy. and that was a. And actually, there's an album
2: of it. That's not, that's not too bad, actually. Well, it was so released later. Yeah.
1: So five live Yardbirds oh, was album. the first release yeah. in the UK in '64, but. Having a rave up was their first American release the next year. This nor any equivalent was released in the UK, but a few tracks were released as singles as a B-side or on later compilations. (laughs) Uh, The band broke up in 1968 with uh, Reef and McCarthy uh, forming Renaissance and Page starting Led Zeppelin. McCarthy and uh, Dreja. Uh, reformed Kristen. in the nineties, but uh, Dreyja left in 2012, leaving McCarthy as the only original active member. A major part of their legacy was how well received their live shows were. And maybe weren't a band that weren't fully appreciated until much later on.
2: Yes. Yeah. I didn't appreciate them till much later on. And I do feel like one of the problems with this band and may rest in peace was the lead singer. Cause he was not a great singer. And he had kind of like a thin reedy and he was a little pitchy as the kids like to say now. Yeah. And so he just wasn't a great, and he wasn't as charismatic as let's say, you know, he's following in Mick Jagger's footsteps. Like that's the band. The most,
1: the most charismatic, charismatic lead singer. Dripping, in the history of-
2: right. Dripping with ch- charisma. And, and, and so anyway, so I think that was part of the problem with the, the, this band was sort of star crossed. That's why I'm saying it's a bridge band. It's a bridge from Chicago blues guys into, uh, until London. And then out of there, we get cream led Zeppelin and to a lesser extent Beck, uh, Jeff Beck with Beck all and stuff like that. But it's like, it's, it's, it's just an amazing story. Five years together. and, you know, and they fired that manager guy. They thought he was like taking not, you know, remember that tour of the U.S.? Like they were making no money and getting ripped off. And the last manager of the band, I know you're going to get to this. I'm just jumping to it, was uh, the manager of Led Zeppelin, Peter, whatever his name is. Um, I can't I'm blanking on his name right now. But Peter anyway. North.
1: The porn star,
2: <laughs> Peter no, North. Peter, uh, Peter Grant. Peter, I don't know what. Peter Grant. Yeah, How yeah, many yeah. times have I seen uh, the song Remains the Same? He's like the star, of, he's I know. the fifth star of them yelling at the dude. You ever seen that cl- clip of him yelling? Oh, yeah. The guy who's selling t shirts, or it's he just, he's just going nuts on this guy selling posters outside Madison Square Garden, or it might have been in Baltimore. You know, that movie is so cut from a lot of different shows. And, just going nuts on that poor guy.
1: He was like a... Uh, he was scary, man. He yeah, was well, a don't scary forget. His... dude. Here it is. Building. This isn't Europe or England. No, I can see that. It's
0: so inefficient. Talk to me, because I'm, I'm the manager of the group. You had people inside this building selling posters, and you didn't know
2: anything about
1: it. I don't it. know about it. As soon as we found out
0: about it, we stopped it. As soon as we found out about it, we told
1: can we all just admit that that Peter Grant looks like uh, Andy from Pee Wee's Play Big Adventure? Remember, remember the way when he goes to the diner and, and and he goes to look at the dinosaurs. And then she's like, oh, no, it's Andy. Andy. And then he runs and he gets chased. That's Andy. Dude, look how big that dude yeah, is, man. Yeah, he's a huge, huge guy. So. No wonder the band got never got in trouble for any of the bad shit they did because he was the person that was going up to the hotel The enforcer, like, yeah, yeah. He was like, you go fuck yourself. I don't care if they <laughs> threw a TV out the window. Your window should be stronger. He's, he is like the British Andre the Giant. Yeah, no, he's more like Earthquake. You remember pull up Earthquake, because he looks okay, like Earthquake. The, the and then pull up Andy. No, he looks like the comedian earthquake? He's like, yeah, dude. He's he's performing with Monique at the at the at the Lewis Gossett Jr. amphitheater in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Uh we're having a time. We're we having are a time. Oh, Earthquake having, the Wrestler. Yeah, I, is, I see. Is. I see. He's having a rave up. <laughs> Look at that guy. Jesus Christ. I thought what maybe we... you
2: would show a clip from the movie Earthquake with uh, <laughs> Walter Matthau. Okay. All
1: right. So let's let's talk about let's talk about this record. Let's yeah, talk so about it. Yeah, so this
2: record is fa- really fascinating because it's uh first the title having a rave up. Now the, we kids still go or used to still go to raves they don't yes, call them raves I did, him. I, did. It, I,
1: I went to raves the, from 1998 until about 2005 uh, in the Washington D.C. Baltimore area I don't <laughs> think it's the it's this is the music this is definitely not the music that they played there no
2: no no um, but I'm talking about the word rave like what it meant in musically and is before we even get to the songs on there
1: do you want so, me to tell you what it means because I have it all right, let's see, what, let's see what it says. So the, the name of the album refers to the rave-up arrangement the band used in some of the songs. Raving yeah. up is when a band would increase the beat to double time, usually during a middle instrumental section to build the improv in the middle of a song to a climax. Uh, the concept has its roots in jazz. Yep.
2: For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sara Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.
0: Hey, this is Mike Weeby, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers.
2: And I'm Zach Blair.
1: I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas. And
0: we also
1: have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike
0: Make Three.
2: So they would rave up in the middle of these songs to get the the crowds going. Again, I think the Yardbirds thing was that they were a live band. Although when I see footage of them live, they seem a little loose to me. Hmm. Having said that, I'm saying the word rave up is still in the culture. You went to raves. I don't even yeah. know if they call them raves anymore. What do they call them now? EDM, EDM. EDM, EDM. shows. Yeah, okay. So... So, anyway, so that's so the first side of the album is all studio tracks. Yeah. The second side of the album, four, if I'm not mistaken, four live tracks that were from their first album that was never released in the United States, which was called Five Live Yardbirds. Remember, you just spoke about that. Mm -hmm. So, they Mm -hmm. took supposedly the best four. So, it's Jeff Beck on side one. Eric Clapton on side too. And
1: How can crazy I, is that? It's insane, but can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. Uh, second half of the record, it just blows away the first half. Oh, so you I liked mean, the live. Okay. I love it so, so much. First of all, it's a great record. Let's just right. say that straight away. Uh, I mean, let's look at some of the tracks. Like, yeah. um, All right, so it opens with You're a Better Man Than I. Uh, can you play a little bit of it? Because I, I got to comment on this. Just play. Get to the chorus. If, oh, well, he doesn't strive, well, then, mister, you're a better man I. Yeah, mister, you're a better man I. Well, Baby, you're be. man, I. The, 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 the this is the most 60 sounding song ever written in my opinion this is this is a step below incense and peppermints by strawberry yeah Long.
2: yeah oh great call yeah great song yeah. but no question here's the thing about side one that we're going to get to with this track in particular but only one song is written by anyone in the yardbirds mm-hmm. that's on is their. It- never mind the the, the the cover songs they do on the other side so uh this one is written by mike hug From Manford Mann. Here's the crazy thing about this song. Recorded while they were on tour in America in a little place called Sun Studios with Sam Phillips. You might remember him from Elvis Presley. I don't. I don't know who that is. You don't know Sam Phillips? No. I love it. Sam Phillips is the guy that discovered Elvis the Big Bang moment of rock and roll when he does That's Alright Mama in the studio. you would never seen any of those crazy TV it. movies? And now I haven't, but now oh I'm done. I'm sorry, I do not mean to shame you. I did not mean to shame you, but <laughs> I, know, I, I literally little, thought everyone knew this guy. I thought this, this is just a, a problem with my age, to tell you the truth. So, <laughs> so, anyways, you know that Elvis Presley in Memphis, you know, uh at this little studio sun studios recorded these songs that sort of started not completely, but a lot of people think of like, that's the moment like kind of rock and roll really moved from R and B to like something. Oh, that uh, more mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elvis, Elvis Presley. That's all right, mama. You know? So anyway, Sam Phillips was the guy that ran the studio. So this is like a legendary studio where bands from England or all over the world would come and try to recapture that magic of that yeah. studio. So on tour, they, they recorded this song. They recorded another one that's also on, but we'll get to that later. I thought that was fascinating.
1: Maybe not, maybe not. No, well, that's very fascinating. Very fascinating. But you okay. know, what's also fascinating. Evil hearted you. Oh or, yes. Originally written by future 10 CC member yes. Grant yes. Goldman He's An the am- best. He is, Jewish, uh, Jew, Jewish. Rock and roll. You didn't even have to say that. His last name's Goldman. I mean, <laughs> Gold we all know it. Steinberg. <laughs> yeah, reduced it from Goldman Steinbergstein. <laughs> Dude, Yitzhak Rabin is turning in his grave right now that you actually said that. He was like, "I'm what? sorry." Sorry, Uh, a music critic referred to it as one of the gloomiest hit singles in all of 60s British rock. I actually think this sounds like every 60s spy movie uh, play a little bit of Evil Hearted You. And you, you hear the spy shit though? Yeah,
2: it's there's very a light lot light. of <laughs> a lot of reverb on those guitars. <laughs> a
1: lot of reverb. Great song. Then you got I'm a man. Uh, this is originally a Bo Diddley okay, song. Okay, this is
2: where I'm gonna disagree with you. I like this version better than the live version on the same album, by the way. On side two, they also do I'm a man.
1: Um, so you like
2: the I'm a man, Eric Clapton more than the Jeff Beck. Yeah, I think I do. Can yeah, really you do. go to, this is going to be, again, this is another weird thing recorded at chess studios in Chicago. That's where Muddy Waters started. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Can we go to the bridge of I'm a Man? Because a lot of people th- call this version where Jeff Beck and Keith, the lead singer slash harmonica player, kind of does a jam in the middle of this song as an example of rave up in the middle of a pop song.
1: up oh get me the cat tranquilizer and give me my my ufo jinkos i love it i love God, it that's
2: incredible that, that is that incredible it, you got to hear that whole song I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna stand by that's a better version of it than the clapton version but i might be wrong I might all be right wrong. well you know
1: listen when you when you break it down like that and i see your enthusiasm behind it you kind of sway me but here's mm-hmm. something really cool bo Diddley praised this cover calling it beautiful Oh, it's um, incredible. Yeah, which is yeah. great. Yeah, that's that's really cool to have the guy that wrote the song, you know, fucking be like, "Dude, you guys killed it." Um, still I'm sad. Uh love this song very much. You Western. do.
2: This is the song I don't like. I love that you
1: love it. Cuz you well, like just, weird. Yeah, I love the oz. Can you play the oz? <laughs> it's all through it. Oh. <laughs> oh, there it is, dude. Oh. Uh-huh something really Jewish. This was probably written by Goldman. This it is like very was, this is very Pesach-y, you know what I mean?
0: Like
2: oh. Do you remember I said that only one song was written by anyone in the Yardbirds? Yeah. This is the song. Fuck that, dude. This, this is this, the song. Is Jim no McCarthy or McCarthy or whatever the name is, the drummer we and the bass you, player. Paul
1: Sam Wells Smith wrote this song. You love it. It's I so like, Gregorian to yeah, me. It's, that's what I'm saying. That's why I like it. You know how much I love Gregorian shit. I always have. We talk about it all the time. We go out to eat and you say, Josh, why are you so into Gregorian music? And I go, because my grandfather that. was a monk. My great grandfather was see, a monk. Okay. My favorite movie is In the Name of the Rose. You like the TV shit. show, Monk? I love the TV show, Monk. <laughs> yeah. I, it was either between comedy or <laughs> monking. And I said, I'm going to do comedy because I, I got to stop the bloodline of Monk.
2: Well, this um, is my question for you. Yeah. I know the Gregorians. I know they're monks. I know they're known for chanting. Is there any other music that Gregorians did? Because I always feel you hear like there's Gregorian chants. Is there ever Gregorian?
1: I don't know. Gregorian power chords. Or Gregorian. Dude power dude, melodies adam get ready to pull this shit up pull up enigma they they had a they had a dude the gregorian <laughs> genre Come on. the gregorian genre had like a flash in like the late 80s early 90s i think when that came out enigma it's it's all gregorian chanting fuck music so, so they got into they got into like the Marvin Gaye territory of making love sounds. So you got it, Adam. You got it. Enigma, okay. pull it up. This I'm dubious. <laughs> <laughs>
2: dubious. That people are Here making out.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. This is it. This is it. Go, you hear, oh, this is where it gets good.
2: Okay, that music, that music is like, that's the music that like, triggers the Antichrist return. Like, that was so inappropriate. <laughs> very the Roman thing. Polanski, like Rosemary's <laughs> Baby. The thing, that's like the beginning of the Exorcist. I was like, come on, that's. That's wrong to put like those beats. Put a rolling 90808 underneath. 808, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> underneath, come on, guys. still a good
1: song. Still good use still of the Gregorian. but, but still, you're it. missing my point. You're missing no. my point. What, They're the
2: still point? chanting in that song. It's still about the chant. Yeah. They just put a, uh, a kind of a hip hoppy beat underneath it. It yeah. kind of reminds me a little of what uh, Ethel Merman did with her disco album. We'll move on.
1: <laughs> you don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that. that. I know. Someone's going to enjoy that. Is there, it's, just, it's just like a techno beat to luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> <laughs> luck be, luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was a four on the floor. Yeah, yeah, it was a she four had, on she the floor. A um, so then, then you have Heart Full of Soul. This is yes, the first wrote Heart Full of Soul? Uh, Goldman. Yes, our
2: Jewish friend. Yep. By the way. Just to loop back to our Jewish buddy, um, Goldman also wrote For Your Love, the song that likes to play whenever you mention (laughs) the band.
1: She can't hear you. You can can say it. It's okay. Not at all. She can always listen. She's always listening. listening. Jeff Bezos By by the way, she just
2: texted me. She just texted. That's crazy. (laughs) She is really
1: okay. (laughs) That's that's who I was texting with. (laughs)
2: Um, but, but listen, Heart, I love listen. Heart Full of Soul. I'd like, I guess I'm a grand Goldman fan. Like is, I'm just a fan of that guy.
1: Here's stuff. something really cool uh, yeah. that we pulled up. Uh, so they tried to use an Indian sitar player for the intro, yes. but didn't like how it sounded. So Jeff Beck tried to play the part of on an electric guitar, making it sound as close to a sitar as possible. Um, here, can you play that? <laughs> Um, and this is something even cooler. The use of the fuzz box guitar effect in this song is also believed to be the first significant use of it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, this is why I'm saying they're a bridge to, like, all of that stuff. Psychedelica? Psychedelica? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I feel like that's it. Obviously, this is right before the Beatles used sitar on, I, I don't know, was it Norwegian Wood or one of yep. those songs? Yep. From the, yeah, so... Yeah, I I just love these songs. I love so th- these Graham Goldman songs.
1: So these are all great. These this this the first half of Yeah, the No, this great. is a this is why I like this album. But yeah. then, then then it gets they then take it, up. it kicks in and you oh got a train God. keeps a rolling. And there, right. as I was talking to Adam before you clicked on, I mean this has been covered by how many people?
0: Wow. Adam? I mean Aerosmith has the most famous one.
1: Yeah.
2: Aerosmith. Aerosmith used to and I've seen Aerosmith maybe eight times. the years seen a number of times a little bit of a brag nobody knows this but i'm also in the crowd when they shot the video for love in an elevator like i'm an aerosmith fan (laughs) 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 going (laughs) down
1: yeah
2: so anyway but during the taping of that song which is just they're just basically miming to the track as they play it over and over again yeah. right Um during a production break they stopped and the band was like let's just play a song and then they played Train Kept the Rolling wow while we were yeah just as like you know because they're it's Aerosmith I, 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 you know me I'm a huge fan especially of that front man Um, what's his name Steve pilot i'm kidding i'm kidding kidding. so anyway so yes train kept a Rolling is a perfect example of a rave up especially the way aerosmith did it yeah they do it slow and then did it i don't know if it's quite double time but a faster stuff yeah i don't know what you're feeling about aerosmith and
1: you're talking to me are you talking to adam i love them i mean i i it's it's one of those bands that's like i've as i've started really because i they were popular uh their biggest popular during my lifetime is the later half of their life. So yes. permanent vacation, kick, uh, get uh, you know, get the life or whatever the one with um get a life. Yeah. Get, yeah, get a life. Permanent um, vacation. Yes. Yes. That was great. I love Angel. I love um uh, I don't want to miss on- a thing. You don't wanna um I'm my favorite song by them is really uh Living on the Edge. Yeah, this is when it's interesting. This is like the opposite. They're sort of the opposite
2: in that they wrote a lot of their songs. Obviously, they wrote Dream On, which was their first big hit. They did cover Train Kept a in this Yardbirds version. But later, during your version, they hired songwriters. Jennifer Warren and Desmond Child wrote a lot of those. I call them, I don't know, they're sort of like for
1: girls as well as guys, those songs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, where's uh, you're right. No, you're they're a great band. Uh, You know, I'm excited to really dig into like like I was with Burr one night and yeah. uh, I was like he was talking about Aerosmith. I was like, dude, I never listened to Toys in the Attic. And so he just he picked out all his favorite uh, Aerosmith mm-hmm. songs that weren't like be- they were all like before like 1980 or or something. And right, right. I mean, it was just it was just everything. I was like, good God. Like I love yeah. the Guns N' Roses version of Mama Kin. Of course of course dude, yeah, that's from early that's from rocks right or something such yeah. a such a good version speaking of which i just went to go see guns and roses uh, i think i talked about it in the intro for the episode that just came out but um i oh, mean dude axel rose's voice is just great it's, it's <sighs> as good as ever right i'm kidding was it bad tell me it, what it dude the band killed it and axel i think he's singing like so during the sound check <laughs> um, what do you mean? The, the sound guy comes. out. You were out there and, for the sound check? Oh yeah, I got. I dude, I was like front row too. My friend, I've, I'm a buddy with Duff's manager, and I, and I love Brian oh to death. Dude, God. the band rules. Go see him if you've never seen. Him, they still sound great. Oh, I saw them but open for this. There were certain points of the of the set though. It's because here's what they were doing. They they the sound guy comes out. And he's going like check one, check two, and then he goes like this. He goes, "I'm barely talking. I'm barely talking." And he's he's holding the the Axel mic, and it sounds so loud. He's like, "I'm barely talking." So I think Axel isn't singing from his chest voice or even his throat voice. He's singing from his head voice. So he's singing like he's like you know, welcome to the jungle. We got fun games. So he's so he's singing almost like in a squeak. So he doesn't really project, but it's so loud that it it just matches. He did hit some crazy notes, um, but it's just, dude, and this is the thing in his defense, those songs are so hard to sing, Wayne. Like, so hard to sing. I mean, even, you know, back in the day, to be able to hit those notes and sing in that register, so to do it now at, like, close to 60, and you're doing a tour schedule of, like, every other day you're doing a fucking stadium and you're doing Mm -hmm. a, you know, a 30-song set list, power to him. I'm not, no no shade, uh, but... But I saw them two other times prior to this since they got back together, and I mean, his voice sounded incredible. Maybe it okay. was an off night. Maybe it was just an off night. You right, know what right, I mean? Right.
2: Maybe he was nervous. You were
1: in the crowd in the front you know row. I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can you know, I was there. That. Yeah. Um, but here, back to this record, though. God's honest truth. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, the second half of this record. I mean, you know, because first of all, smokestack lightning. Um. Okay, Alan Wolf. Yeah, it's just a great song. Um. This is also like you said, the last four tracks. They're all Clapton. He all done at the
2: Marquee Club. Have you ever been to there? Ever, I ever haven't. Been? Yeah, that's the famous kind of a London club. It's sort of, I would say, the equivalent. I hope I don't get killed on Reddit for this or Twitter. I would say it's the equivalent of like the whiskey or the troubadour or something like that. It's like the club. Where a lot of people recorded at, and or especially those rock bands at that time, like it's still around. Um, but it's at the Marquee Club, not a Crawdaddy, not a Crawdaddy. This not was not a daddy Yeah, a, a bigger venue in London. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is this is Howlin' Wolf's most popular song. It's released in '56. Yeah. Uh, You know, Respectable is great. Originally written by the Isley Brothers. I'm a yep. man. That's here's the here's the big battle. Here's the Fetterman I, battle right now. The fetterman Myers battle. <laughs> Which version is better? <laughs> it's a Jewish throwdown. Let's do it. <laughs> I I gotta go with the live version, dude. I know. I'm gonna I, let's listen to a little of that. Let's listen Put on to the live little. version. I'm a man. Uh, you, yeah, you got me, man. You take my money. Take my money. Take my money. It's perfect. You can hear the energy in the room. You can yeah, hear no, you it's feel great, the, vibe, it's... the band vibing. It's everything. That All ever... I can say
2: in my defense is the guy who wrote the song, named Bo Diddley, not his real name, Elias McDaniel's is his real name. Uh, thinks uh, the back version is better. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's only the guy who wrote the song. No, no, I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm right. I'm just saying that's who's on this side of the argument. Okay. Listen, we agree to disagree. Elias. Okay. Okay. Bring it up with Bo. <laughs>
1: Bring it up. With Bo. Hey, Bo. Get in here, Bo. <laughs> oh, I got I the I gotta ask to ask now. Oh, Bo I didn't know out. he
2: lived next to you. What, what's yeah, going he's, on? A,
1: he's in apartment 5C. Five, five oh, okay. Um, no, I listen, it, it's both sides of the I'm record. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Kidding. Of course you are. But both sides of the record are, are equal in their part. But how I many lo- albums in the
2: history of music have two versions of the same song, a live
1: and a studio version on the same I album? You, I can tell you one. Go the, ahead. Sir Mix-A-Lot greatest hits is just nine versions of Baby Got Back and one live version. Okay all right I bought well, it from a gas station in uh in Harrisburg Pennsylvania from a gas
2: station not an attendant an actual no. gas
1: station <laughs> it's a human gas station <laughs> <laughs>
2: So it was just
1: a whole gas station sells albums? Yeah, it was a transformer, a very lazy transformer. Just, oh, you all right, there's the album. Okay. Here, take that this. Was... We've got and a did lot you of companies. Did you put in cash or swipe a card? What no, I you took do... he took a uh, Bitcoin.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Very good, very good, very good. And I guess he should sell a lot of records.
0: Hey you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha, how's that going? Did you get twenty twenty? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called Twenty Twenty, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Shavon Cronin from the band Lost Symphony
1: also got twenty twenty. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're
0: gonna get a candid look at life on and off the stage as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop Every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on
2: your favorite podcast app.
1: All in all, this is, I think this is a phenomenal record. Let's look at what some of the music journalists of yesteryear have said. Yes. Um, several retrospective reviews have been favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, who do we have here? Reviewing Guitar Player Magazine. Uh, Can I just say
2: before we get to these reviews that in a way the Yardbirds suffered from not having like, they did have hits in England and some of these songs, you know, for your love and stuff were hits and happenings 10 years ago, but they weren't like the Beatles. They weren't like the stones. They weren't like the animals with house of Verizon. You know what I mean? They never really like broke through on a huge level. So they were always kind of a, cult band yeah even at, even at their peak i i believe so but go ahead and i feel no, like so like in I, retrospect I, I, they're now
1: more appreciated right so, yeah so i've got two that i'm gonna drop i like let me this, hear, let me hear. this is from a uh, clapton biographer david bowling from oh. guitar player magazine he so he said today and this is in 1999 the yeah. Yardbirds' second American album sounds something like the ultimate garage band meets an end-of-the-world guitarist. For a while in 65, though, having a rave up with the Yardbirds contained Rock's freshest, most vital guitar playing. Yeah. Uh, and then Rolling Stone Magazine, uh, which ranked this uh, 355 on the list, uh, they, they noted... Freed from Eric Clapton's blues purism and spurred by Jeff Beck's reckless exhibitionism, yep. the Yardbirds launched a noisy rock and roll avant-garde. This is the bridge between beat groups and psychedelia.
2: This is the me and rolling stone. We have this uh, Wayne federal and Rolling Stone. Has a, has the same they're a bridge band. They're definitely mm-hmm. a bridge band, no question.
1: And so this this uh debuted at number 137 on the Billboard 200 and reached as high as 53 in February 66 and spent 33 weeks in total on the chart.
2: Okay, so that's a, so people listen to it. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if it was more like later when like when Clapton hit with Cream or with, you know, John Mayall and all of that stuff. But yeah. um what other reviews? Keep reading.
1: Keep oh, no, read. I just want you to read. Well, I just want you to read. I've got some I got some facts from the record. You want to yes, hear it? Yes. Yes. Right. So, first of all, we got to say this. This album did not make the cut for the 2020 Rolling Stone Top 500 album list. It did not. Oh, So, um, this has been removed. This has been removed from oh, the newer wow. list. Wow. Uh, so, after Clapton left the band, the initial recommendation to replace him was Jimmy Page, but yep. Paige was happy with his session work at the time yep. and referred his buddy Jeff Beck. It was only two days between Clapton's departure and Beck playing his first notes with the band. Yep. Right after four
2: Your Love. Li- I don't know if, I, I can't imagine that Clapton ever played four Your Love live. But keep going. Keep going.
1: Well, I don't know if I said this already, but Eric oh, Clapton. I
2: Go ahead. But- hey, keep going.
1: Eric Clapton biographer David Bowling calls the album early and important rock and roll. It remains an important step in the evolution of rock music.
2: It's a step. It's a bridge. It's an evolutionary, it's incredible. This, if you're interested, if you look, you can just listen to Aerosmith and you can just listen to Led Zeppelin one and two, and you don't have to listen to this, but if you're kind of curious, the roots of this, all, it's really fun to dive into this band.
1: No, I, I completely agree. And then here's the coolest shit. Towards the yeah. end of the 60s, the Yardbirds broke up while in the middle of a tour. Yeah. Page, he's playing with them, wanted to keep the band going and eventually put together a band called The New Yardbirds, consisting of vocalist Robert Plant, bassist John Paul Jones, and drummer <laughs> John Bonzo Bonham. They would eventually change their name, uh, taken from a quote by the Who drummer, Keith Moon. Moon had said previously... In uh, that their band would go over like a Led Zeppelin, and the name Led Zeppelin stuck. So, listen, man, the Yardbirds—you don't get Led Zeppelin. You they, don't have the Led Yardbirds. Zeppelin
2: was at one point the New Yardbirds, yeah, with Peter Grant as their manager. This Which
1: and it's funny because like wreaking havoc across the. Because I don't know if you remember, in the eighties there was the in the seventies or there was the Monkees, yeah. And then in the in the eighties, they had the new monkeys, right. and the new monkeys went on to become who? Corn? Mis- Corn? <laughs> Corn? No. Oh, no, no, of course not. No, of course, that's a good joke. though. All right, uh, let's let's do some quickies, and we'll get you out yes. of here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This all was right. fun, by the way. This is fun. This was great. Uh, favorite
2: song on the record? Oh, all right. Now I'm I'm looking at the. Well, it's. Hmm. I have to say. I, it's got to be train. It's got to be train. Kept to, it's got to be the cover of Train Kept It Rolling is my favorite track on the record. Just Look who's
1: come around and now accepted the live part. No, hmm. you're you're making a mistake.
2: We're okay. talking about. I'm not talking about. I'm a man. I'm talking about Train Kept to Rolling. All right. Least favorite song on the record. Oh, well, that, that's easy. That couldn't. I'll tell you my two least favorite. My least favorite is I hate to say it, the Gregorian chant one. Oh, I don't like heartbreaking. Still, still, I'm sad. I know you love it. I don't I just think, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a great song to raise spirits from the dead. It's great. <laughs> it's a great song if I want to uh take out the Ouija board and uh bring evil into the 21st century. Great song. Yeah. Thanks guys. My second least favorite is the last song on the al- album, the I don't know. I don't like Here Tis. I don't I I know that's Play a little bit of Here
1: Tis. Play a little bit of Here Tis ad. Let me go ahead
2: and say. And now you love it. Now it actually sounded better when I heard it. Forget the last one. I'm just going to stick with Gregorian because you hate me.
1: You hate the monks. Oh yeah, go ahead. All right. This is an interesting one. What
2: are yours? Can I ask what yours are? (sighs) Can we go back and forth or is it all just
1: about Wayne? Favorite song on the record. When I did my big listen, smokestack lightning oh yeah well
2: yeah,
1: i love it incredible. love i love it i love it i love it but oh, you can take any track from the second half of the record even, you like uh, the
2: clapton over the back even ah, though you've met i really Beck. do
1: dude. he's Slowhand, dude i know uh, by
2: the way during this time he got his name Slowhand. this is it yeah during this time you want to know what it means um
1: he has his he has
2: bell's palsy in his hand <laughs> jesus <laughs> I apologize for everyone who's suffering from a viral disease called Bell's palsy. It comes to coast. No, uh, he would, because he used super light strings, you know, because he liked to band those, you know, up uh, uh, one and a half notes and all of that. Uh, he would often break strings, especially during a rave up. He would break strings and then he would change the strings on stage. And during that time, the English audience in a sarcastic English way would do group. (laughs) My slow hand. And that's how he got the name. Just like, you know, I mean, just like us.
1: Come on, man. Change the strings. Change the fucking strings.
2: String, Eric. Eric Eric.
1: reminds me. That reminds me. We did a we did a a goddamn comedy jam at uh, in in Brooklyn. uh, And Burr was like a surprise guest drop in. Yeah. And We did two songs with them. We did uh, "Kickstart My Heart" with mm-hmm. uh, Joe Rosa sang with Burr on drums, and we were going to do a Pantera song. And Joel, my guitarist, broke a string during um, during uh, the first song, "Kickstart My Heart," mm-hmm. and we basically like he needed to change the string and he's like, you got to kill time. Now it's there's 500 people in the audience that are like insanely sweaty and the mm-hmm. room is so hot. So Joel could not get the string. It took him like 15 minutes. We had to like kill time. And so like Burr had to come from out behind the drum set and start doing like crowd work. And he was just so mad about it. Cause it was like, it killed all the momentum. Yeah, right, 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 I've right, never right. seen more fear on Joel's face than trying to change a string. And I mean, just, we were dripping sweat. It was probably 140 degrees inside the venue, just no air, all humidity. Um, And
2: And five strings is just not enough.
1: No, no, he needs what he needs to do is he needs to have an extra guitar just ready to go just to case. ready to That's yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. You have to. You can't. You it's and that's the problem know, weird way
2: you're, you're talking to Eric Clapton through him. Right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Eric,
1: you get another guitar. <laughs> just have <dude>. another guitar. <laughs> you got you got extra guitar. Buddy. Just dude, just from the residuals <laughs> this week from tears from heaven. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it tears from heaven or tears in heaven? Tears from heaven might be the Bruce Willis movie about uh, yeah. Vietnam. Yeah. I right. in- here's a question here's a one i'm, I'm curious to I'm, gonna, I'm gonna
2: bounce it back to you after i answer it so be okay. ready
1: what song on this record yeah would you fuck to <laughs>
2: this is do you know me did you know i don't all right let me look <laughs> let me look this is not the kind of thing because i don't really i'm not like a feel like have sex to music kind of guy
1: really what do you just let cnn play in the background
2: it's actually C span. <laughs> it's actually C span. Yeah, mainly. Yeah, yeah. Just the floor, just the, the house floor, I just love the it. house.
1: Just something about voting gets yeah, my dick hard. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Parliamentary rules. I fucking can't <laughs> get any more excited. All right. This is not. This is not my thing. Like I actually think none of these. Um, like they're all too they're just too catchy and up. Like these aren't to me. It you know like, would be
1: the perfect one. The chanting one. The chanting one.
2: Oh, one might be. the oh, oh,
1: oh, oh. You just come out wearing like a shroud <laughs> and you have like a string and you pull the string and you're just, it falls off your shoulder. Oh my <laughs> God.
2: You're so funny. <laughs> God damn it. Uh,
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Final answer? Final answer. It might have to be the Gregorian chant. It oh, might have to be. Oh, 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 oh. All right. And I feel like you already answered this, but I'm going to ask it again. Um, Wait,
2: what about you? What about you? We no, already uh, answered it. Oh, you're both of us. I'm, okay. I'm Gregorian. Okay. <laughs> Could you imagine maybe like the two of us getting prostitutes, putting that song <laughs> on next to each other, like
1: looking over, like, wow,
2: how great is life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a, this is the tops, man. This is incredible. This girl is
0: incredible. just <laughs> it's Russian girls like that. Right, right, right.
1: <laughs> just, they're completely confused. Like this is incredible. And then she looks up and she goes, "Great song." <laughs> Great song. Ooh,
2: who is that? We're <laughs> not the Arpers. The only song they wrote on the album, "After <laughs> <having a> Reba. <laughs> By the way, that's the way I deal with prostitutes. I love just <laughs> talking to them, charming them,
1: much more. Like that's connecting with them. That's hilarious. Yeah, you got uh, to you gotta woo them. You got to woo them. <laughs> um, and then I feel like you answered this already. Why yes, is sir. this album important uh, for the next generation to hear?
2: I don't know if it is. I don't know if this album is important for the next generation because there's so much music and it and the story of music. And this is something I'm very passionate about, as you know. Uh the story of music it just moves, it just flips over so quickly. Like there's like even people like kids listening to music in two two oh two one is which is what I call this year, they uh like it, they just have a whole different reference to even what music is. And so I don't know. I don't know. I uh for those who are interested in like the blues-based hard metal, hard rock bands of the sixties and seventies, you know, and then the the influence guns and Roses. the maybe like the bands that people listen to are are like five generations away from that. I know I'm absolutely babbling about this, but I don't know. I, I mean, for me, I just think it's as any musical historian would have to at least look at a band that, that had these three guitarists in it. And had
1: those songs. Yeah, I, no, think- I agree. Do you think it deserves to be on the 500 greatest albums list?
2: Oh man, I I'm shocked it dropped. That means it dropped three 140 some points, 145 points, right? 145 albums got better than this album. This is the thing. It's like I what other yard. This would be my question because I'm into these lists. What other Yardbirds albums? Are on the li- the new list, and then I would be like, "Oh, okay, I can understand that." Because maybe they just want
1: one Yardbirds album. They're just like, "That's enough," you know. I mean, this new list, man, it's not. It, it's all, dude. Sergeant Pepper, which was number one, dropped to number twenty-five. Wow. Which is crazy. And then like some, and, and it was, it was definitely, well, but also they, what they did was they kind of like the, cause mm-hmm. listen, the old list was made by like old white guys and yeah, musicians. Yeah, okay. And so, so what they did for the new list was bringing a lot of younger people, a lot mm-hmm. of like, you know, different, different ethnic groups and backgrounds. Right. So it is like,
2: you know, who they didn't bring in any, who? any Gregorians. Nope. They didn't bother with this one the to in <laughs> top.
1: 20, they all would have been like, you got to put it on there. You got to. I'm going to rave up. It's all we got. It's no, only- I, I
2: in a way, I do understand that, that it was just like, okay, this was like, these are all white bands. And this is another all white band from the whitest place on, on earth. And maybe that's just kind of like, we're in this reckoning now. We're like, uh, can I just say, uh <laughs> I don't know. Do you know who Adam Neely is by any chance? I don't. He's a uh, bass player who teaches music theory on YouTube. Okay. And he's really, because they're going through the same thing in classical music. In fact, there's, they have started, there's a movement to rebrand classical music, not call it classical anymore and call it music, music made popular by 18th century European composers. 18th to 19th century European composers. I don't know what's the, is there? So they're is basically, there, they're saying by saying classical, you're sort of like, oh, whatever was going on in India, whatever was going on in Africa, whatever was going on anywhere outside of white Europe is oh, not classical. Does okay. that make, is that, no, I, I, I mean, hope I'm saying I, that right. Yeah. Now,
1: it makes sense. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's like, <laughs> no, dude. but it's,
2: yeah, but I can I understand the thought process. It was just like, yeah, maybe you don't like that weird Indian music that sounds not great to your ears, but that doesn't mean it's
1: worse. Is that worse than Chopin? I, wanna, I don't know. I want to pull up this audition that yeah. I just got. Um, yeah, let me hear. It. Hold on, because it was here. It is. This is this is what they wrote. Um. For the role description. So the role is Oscar character portrayed as male presenting. (laughs) 30 to 40s, any ethnicity. Character portrayed as male presenting.
2: Yep. Yeah. Welcome.
1: Welcome. Oh, shit. The Yardbirds are completely absent from the 2020 list. Okay, well, that's crazy then. I could understand they're just like,
2: we need one Yardbirds album instead of three or whatever it was. I, that I could understand. I actually think this is the, the best Yardbirds album because you get Clapton and Beck on it. And the Jimmy Page stuff, you can just listen to Led Zeppelin. You don't have to listen to yeah. Happenings 10 years ago and stuff like that. But, but dude, uh, we,
1: have, we have another Yardbirds record in like, years, right? in like two weeks. Is it the Engineer one? Let me find it. Uh, Because I've got, (laughs) if you looked at what my timeline is, I've got like area rugs, area rugs. I've got coffee tables. I've got, uh, I got to find a winter coat. Those are three
2: of the best bands, by the way. Area rugs was, I listen to them all the time.
1: (laughs) What about men's puffer jackets and coats?
2: Oh, really? (laughs) That was their first record. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of songs you like to fuck to. <laughs> Men's puffer.
1: Oh, I my, oh dude! I love ultra lightweight and versatile. That's good. <laughs> um, These are great band names. By the way, great band names. Men's parka, Nike duck boots, <laughs> relaxed fit, washed, and then From- the Yardbirds artifacts, and then and then <laughs> my favorite album is Post attendee Hyphen Zoom. That's the best.
0: What did you find out, Adam? So they come in at three fifty with just the self-titled album Yardbirds, which is also known as Roger the Engineer. Yeah, Roger
2: the Engineer, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that. Ha- that has
1: shapes. I think. I think, shape we, I think we have Jerry Cantrell for that one from Alice in Chains. What? I think we do. Okay. Don't who is quote the, me.
2: Can I just ask who Who is the biggest guest you've had so far besides me? Besides
1: me? Um, well, be you're first. Yeah. Of course. Second. Second was Bowser from Shonana. Na. Oh, he played Woodstock. He played Woodstock. We didn't that Bowser. Um I'd oh. say, you know what? I, I'd say the biggest if we're the probably the 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 strangest booking was um I would say Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh yeah. He did Sam Cooke uh Live at the Harlem Club. I mean, mm-hmm. but then I've had I've had your buddy Judd. Um I've had you know wanda i've had burr a couple times That's jim awesome. you know i've had i've had everybody this is i mean let me look at the because we oh i mean the coolest one the i coolest, thought there might
2: be some weird musician that you know Oh, i did no 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 i feel I've like had, you're dude, in those circles that dude, i'm not I, really well
1: in. i've had i've had jerry harrison from the talking heads talking mm-hmm. about talking heads uh and okay. it was the week after modern lovers so it was a dual episode I've had Mike Watt from uh, the Minutemen and he was like literally the week after Minutemen, which was so great. Um, I mean, we've had, dude. Interesting, that's cool. I mean, we've had, you know, everybody we've had everybody this is what's cool about this podcast man is that you know we're not talking about your basic shit anymore we're talking about you know so it's not like a guest will come on and it's like we're gonna we're gonna talk we might ask you questions about your career and stuff but for the most part we're just we're just talking about the record and finding out some cool things so you know it's a really um, fun record guys it's really i and i love the name of it
2: having having a rave up that's what they're doing we're yeah. gonna jam. We're gonna jam it out.
1: It's basically what it is, right? Yeah, we're gonna jam it out. And, we, and you know what? And we that's jam- what you do for a living. I jam? I do. Oh, yeah. yeah, I do. I Speaking mean, of which, re- we're about to announce a we're about to announce a goddamn comedy jam in LA and in New York. I'm doing dual comedy jams. I love it. I so that means you it. have to be there because you're our good luck charm. Uh, 100%. When you're there, when you're 100%. there, August twenty August twenty-third. Oh, yeah, I'm around. I'll text you where it is. Well, no, yeah. this will probably, it'll probably be announced by then. It's August 23rd at the comedy store in the main room. Oh, wow. There we go. Yeah. We're, we're moving it to, they, it's just, you know, especially with me living here, it's just going to be, it right. just keeps my, keeps my foot in the door. No, there I see, and, I see you getting spent sets at the comedy cellar. I'm, oof, I'm tracking I'm, your career. Okay. I love it here. You do love. I don't, I can't believe it took me this long to move here it really did i just i feel like an artist i feel like a real yeah, artist yeah, and i feel yeah. like oh, no, i'm no. growing i'm growing at a rate on stage that is that would the, the amount of growth i've made in two months here i would take me two years in los yeah, angeles of course. of course so from that and then you're also you're with some of the best joke writers in the world and that makes you see them and you go oh i need to step my game up because there's there's people at open mics that are better than most comics at the hollywood yeah, improv yeah, tonight yeah. and it's like there you go That's um, but this was great, dude. uh, Wayne, I love you to death. Thank you for coming on, buddy. Anything you want to promote? uh, Go ahead, bud.
2: No, no, no. I mean, I have a book out called The History of Stand Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle that just came out. But that's basically it. And um, so that's you can get that on Amazon if you're interested in the history of stand up through the whole thing. Early lectures, vaudeville, nightclubs, comedy clubs, Internet, the whole the whole story. Get it, everybody. Seriously, get the book. If you're Wait. interested in stand up, you might like it.
1: But also, you wrote a book about Pistol Pete yeah, it's My
2: second book. This is my second book. Yeah. So get both of them
1: from the Amazon. <laughs> get it from Amazon. Or if you if you really feel so inclined, you know what? Go to local, a local store. Yeah, go to go a local local, book local bookstore, not Jeff Bezos. Even though yeah. it's Amazon's just the easiest thing in the world. Man. He <laughs> really is killing it, dude. He's doing a great job. No wonder he's he's worth a quadrillion dollars. It's worth a lot of money i just ordered yeah. 60 hangers and they'll be here they're probably here now right, i ordered exactly. them i ordered them in the middle of the podcast. you're about to order them you're about to order them here. i literally when i was looking at my phone i ordered 60 hangers and the guy that was my lack of barked because okay they, they i know got-
2: i liked i know i love to deep dive and again thank you so much for having me on you know i love you I love um you. are the hangers the kind with the like the little outside part that's like the uh, there's like a little bit of cloth on it all the way yep. around yep. what are those called do you know what i'm called adam <laughs> what are those called i'm looking it up now hangers
1: with- oh okay i might have them right here because i, I cause but I it's just
2: not it. it's not like just a metal hanger and it's not the plastic kind it's like
0: there's sort of like fabric this airplane hangers is what comes up fabric is that what it is
2: there's like a little bit of fabric like around they're so fun trellis print padded hanger no that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm yelling at you. Suddenly, I'm... Um... Anyway,
1: all right. Are
2: we done? Are we done? We're
1: done. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Wayne Fetterman. Follow him on Twitter at Fetterman. Follow him on Instagram at InstaFetterman. Go to his website, WayneFetterman.com, for all things Wayne Wayne is also co-producing a Judd Apatow-directed George Carlin documentary that will be on HBO. Just keep your eyes out for that and get his new book, The History of Stand-Up, from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle, where he is going to go into a deep, deep dive, just like he did for the Yardbirdies. All right, new music this week. Yardbirds 1965, our new music pick is Irish blues rocker's Granya Duffy. She actually performed at the Glastonbury Music Festival on the same lineup as the Yardbirds in 2008. And since then, she's written for the BBC, Sky TV, and perfumed, on, and perfumed on blues festivals across Europe. And you're listening to the song, Roll It, off her 2020 album, Voodoo Blues. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. If you want your music featured on the 500, fitness your song. 500podcasts at gmail.com. Send us a song. Put the album and in and influence you in the subject line. Guess what, y'all? Ooh. I'm moving out. Billy Joe Week is right next one. And you're going to have some fun because it's Billy Joe Week. Yeah, don't be a freak. It's Billy Joe Week. It's Billy Joe Week. Next one. What we are doing this is his 1978 album, 52nd Street. Get on it. Listen to it. Do your homework. Stay fleecy. Doodle doodle.